Well, today is Tuesday, September the 15th. My name is Parker Johnson. I'm the pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Bruton, Alabama. This is the midweek devotional for this week. I'm recording it today on Tuesday because I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. Uh, I don't know if we'll have internet or power or whatnot. I hope we will. Um, you know, today we shut down the office about two and will likely be closed for tomorrow with the rain coming uh, with, with Hurricane uh, Sally. It's interesting, as I'm studying this week, I'm studying in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 uh, and following, and it's the way that Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount, and it's the parable of the wise man and the foolish man. Remember, the, the wise man built his house upon the rock, and the foolish man built his house upon the sand, and, and um, you know, when the, the wind and the water, uh, when they came, the rain, the house that was on the rock uh, stood firm. But the house that was upon the sand, uh, well, it fell. In fact, the text says that, and great was the fall of it. Certainly, it's um, rather poignant with what we're going through as we wait to see if the river is really going to rise like it's supposed to, if the winds are meant to be as strong as they are. And it points us to uh, our salvation in Christ, right? Are we, are we rooted upon Christ, or are we basing our significance, our lives, um, our redemption upon other things, doing things our way. Jesus is real clear. One way is going to work and one way won't. Well, how's that for a mini-sermon before we get to the, uh, the, the midweek for devotional for today? Uh, before we get to it, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is true. Oh, Lord, we thank you that it is trustworthy, that we can trust what it says. Um, help us to be doers, not just hearers of your word. We thank you for the pouring out of your spirit upon us. Um, Lord, we pray that by your spirit you'll give us understanding. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm looking today at Acts uh, chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, and then in a bit into 4. This is a story that I would assume that many of you know well, and it's the story in which a lame beggar is healed uh, at the temple uh, in Jerusalem. Now, we're going to skip forward a little bit because we learned some facts about this man in Acts chapter 4, verse 22. It says, For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Uh, you know, a man of 40 years, especially one who is lame and who is a beggar, would have been a pretty old man back in Jesus' day. Uh, now, we know that this man had been lame from birth. Uh, and so his life had consisted of a really, um, really hard circumstances. Every day, somebody would take him to the gate that is called Beautiful and set him there. And he would ask for alms from those who were coming into the temple. You know, you can imagine that people hopefully were fairly generous as they were going into the temple, going in to worship their God. And, and so he's been set here. Now, he's been set here on this day in order looking for alms, uh, looking for handouts, but he's going to get something so much better. By the end of this day, two very significant things will have happened. The first is that this man will have been healed, and he's going to be jumping and leaping and praising God. Uh, but also, something even bigger happens. And we learned this over in Acts chapter 4, verse 4. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Wow. 
wow, that's a lot of people who have come to know the Lord. Now, the question is, is this in addition to uh, the 3,000 on the day of Pentecost? So is it 2,000 additional souls that have been gained? Um, uh, Or is it uh, 5,000 on top of 3,000? And I I just don't know, actually. Uh, Either way, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. So two things happen by the end of this uh, time uh, in which we're going to read. Uh, we have a man who is healed, who's been lame from birth, and a lot of folks come to know Jesus. So let me read from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, that's 3 p.m., and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. And let me read a little bit into verse 11. And while he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them. And the portico called Solomon's uh, astounded. Now, people had knew who this man was. He had been there uh, probably every day or, or very frequently. Perhaps he changed places where, um, no, verse 2 says, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate. Apparently, this was his spot. And, and folks would have been in and out and in and out. And, and perhaps folks had tired of seeing him. Perhaps many folks had given to him. Perhaps many others hadn't. I can imagine a lot of folks had very bad and false ideas about this man. It was very common in those days for someone to think uh, that someone who was crippled or lame or had some deformity uh, or even poor was such because they had done something wrong or their parents had done something wrong. I wonder how many times people had judged this man in their hearts. It's one thing to look at someone who is in a wheelchair or uh, who's crippled and there's a part of our human curiosity that makes it very hard not to look at that because it's something different and and we don't we hadn't seen it before or at least very frequently. But it's another thing to look at such people with disdain or contempt. Now, he is sitting there and he sees Peter and John. Perhaps he knew who Peter and John were. We, we don't know. Uh, certainly, uh, Peter's activity on Pentecost would have been likely known to this man. And we have every reason to think this man was a God-fearing man, that he was um, someone who loved the Lord, and now he's going to have an interaction with, with Jesus and, and be healed through it. So maybe he had heard of, of Peter and the other apostles. I would imagine he had. And so as uh, Peter and John enter the temple, go by his, his normal uh, grounds, um, his normal spot, he asks for money. Now, Peter and John, uh, they're about to give him something even better. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And that got his attention. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter's going to give him something far better. He says, I don't, I don't have any money. I don't have any silver or gold. Oh, but what I do have, 
But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It's real clear here that Peter is not doing anything to draw attention to himself. Peter is giving what he has been given. He he is now working as an apostle, having been given the, the gift of being able to do miraculous deeds. He's going to transform this guy's life. Think about this. 40 years and, and how old would 40 years be today? I, I don't know, 60, 70, maybe older. Um, all of his life not being able to walk. Now, now think about this. Someone who cannot walk and has never walked before, in today's world, they're not able just to stand up and walk. Like even if you fix the one thing that was wrong with them, that, that just that doesn't happen. How many times have you heard of someone who was in an accident or someone who had been in bed for years? Uh, you have to go through therapy to strengthen your legs and to learn how to walk again. But that's not what happens here. In the name of Jesus, Peter heals this man. And verse 7, and he took him by the right hand and raised him up. Now what should happen here, right? He should fall right back over. That's not what happened. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. He grew muscles all of a sudden, right? Muscles that that he had that he had never used suddenly are made strong and he is not able just to wobble. He, he, we find in verse 8 that he doesn't just learn how to walk. We see this in leaping up. Uh, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Can you just imagine this guy having been freed from the shackles of not being able to even move his legs for his whole life of 40 years? Wow. What is his response? His response is a godly one. You know, it's interesting. We don't even have see him thanking these men right here, right? We don't we don't see any kind of real interaction between uh, Peter, John, and, and this man. He realizes that this has come from God, right? So it, it must mean that he either did believe in Jesus Christ before this, or, or, or he now does, because Peter's real clear that it's in the name of Jesus as happens. And whom does this man? praise. He praises God, therefore knowing that God sent his son, Jesus. Now, it's interesting, you know, you have this reaction, this very godly reaction, leaping, right? Uh, And walking around and leaping and praising God. He's using his newfound ability that God has given him, and he is not shy about it. Now, this man would have known that the name of Jesus Christ was one that was rather controversial at this point. But he doesn't care. He does not care. He doesn't care who sees him. We see this in verse 10. And recognizing him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. All the people saw him. They saw him walking and praising God. And what happened? And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They knew this guy. They had seen him day in and day day out. Um, And now... And now they're wondering what has happened. And so God uses this to give Peter uh, and John the opportunity to preach the good news. And Peter will uh, preach the good news to the crowds, at the end of which uh, the leaders, especially uh, we find in chapter 4, verse 1, the priests and captain of the temple and the Sadducees, they came upon them. Why were they upset? Why were they upset? Well, they were upset because they were teaching and proclaiming in Jesus uh, 
the resurrection from the dead. They were, you know, essentially they, they weren't they weren't focused on on the great thing that had just happened. This man whom they all, I assume, knew, who had been sitting there for his entire life. All they could see was their hatred of Jesus. But God's plan cannot be foiled. What happened? A lot of folks became Christians that day. Isn't that amazing? So what do we learn from this text? There's so much we could say. Um, This being a devotional, we'll just limit it to a few things. One, it's a reminder of the amazing power of God, that he is not limited by anything, even as we think of the very destructive and very powerful Category 1 hurricane that's not too far from us right now. God has that in his hands as well. He had the much stronger Ivan. He had um, Katrina. He has. He's had every quote-unquote disaster in his hands. God really is sovereign from the largest thing to the smallest thing. Second, we are reminded that salvation is through Christ Jesus alone. When um, Peter and John are brought before the uh, leaders of the Jews in chapter 4, the very center of of their preaching is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he makes it very, very clear in verse 12. There is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is an inclusive statement and an exclusive statement. It is only in Christ that there is salvation, right? Uh, it is in none other. That is an exclusive statement. If you don't believe in Jesus, you don't go to heaven. You go to hell, period, full stop. However, it's real clear that, that anyone can call upon him. Anybody can call on the name of the Lord as the Holy Spirit makes him able. But I think the thing that I would like to just put in your mind for you to think on is what is your reaction to when God does something amazing in your life? What is your reaction to when God does something amazing in your life? Now, we can make amazing uh, refer to something really big, right? Something you've really been praying for for a long time, perhaps healing or, or the obedience of a child or, or restored relationship, but, but also the amazing normal things every day. Like the fact that we woke up this morning and the fact that you have food on your table and the fact that we have money in our bank accounts to be able to pay the bills and we have a church family that loves you. What is our reaction to those things when God does them? I think we really ought to take our key from this man right here. See, he took the thing that God had done for him, and he used it for the glory of God. Uh, Acts 3, 8, And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Are you walking and leaping and praising God? Are you walking and leaping and praising God? There are many things we can be thankful for today. Let us walk and leap and praise the Lord. Amen.